welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. I am excited to introduce my guest today. She is an author, she's a speaker, and a real estate expert. She also happens to be the host of Sirius XM Radio's highly rated real estate talk show, The Jennifer Hammond Show. She's the author of the book, 101 Plus Resources for Veterans, and creator of an online course, Million Dollar Staging Secrets. She now shares her message of a positive mindset with videos and a podcast co-hosted with her brother called The Hammond Happy Hour. It can be found on iTunes, YouTube, Facebook. It's my honor and privilege to introduce Jennifer Hammond. Yay! Yay! <laughs> thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited because I was on your radio show, I think, last summer. So yeah, a year ago, summer. So it's been, <laughs> gosh, almost a year and a half ago now. So very exciting. Jennifer's show she does in Washington, D.C. In fact, you live in D.C., right? I do. I live in the Washington, D.C. area. That's so cool. That is so exciting. In fact, I was reading somewhere in your bio, I found somewhere that you're from Key West, right? I you am. Grew up in Key yes. West? And the Keys, you know, recently got hit by hurricanes. And so the Keys are in a little bit bad shape. But yeah, I grew up as an island girl. So I love the islands. Key West is my home. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine why in the world would you move to DC <laughs> or Maryland or Virginia from, from Key West? What brought you to the DC area? You know, it started because I have a master's degree in public administration and I wanted to move to DC to change the world. I came to work for a congressman and ironically, I only spent three months working on the Hill and I was just, as you probably have seen in news and such, it was just overwhelmed by the fact I thought I could change the world and I could do all these wonderful things. And I was just a tiny, tiny, tiny little person in the midst of this major, you know, machinery, so to speak. And I couldn't do what I had hoped to do. So I set out and started doing real estate. I started doing real estate investing and I became licensed as a real estate agent. And then I loved it because the Washington DC area has so much history in it, especially with real estate. That was something that Key West is so beautiful and so unique because it's 90 miles to Cuba. You can literally see the fan of lights on a really clear night. You know, there used to be dinner cruises that went back and forth between Cuba and Key West, and it has its own history. But Washington, D.C. has fascinating history, and especially with the housing market. You know, all the houses are so different, you know, from different generations and different time frames when things were built. And I was just fascinated, and I love, love, love to get properties. And then I also love helping people find the property, you know, so they can buy the right one for their family. So I do real estate sales and real estate investing. Wow. Well, that's really interesting to go from kind of a legal, sounds like a legal background. I did. Yeah, I was a paralegal. My bachelor's degree is in legal administration. And I work for judges and different lawyers and you know, lots of different legal things. So I went from a legal background into real estate. <laughs> that is so interesting. I can't even imagine being at all similar. <laughs> well, it does help with the contracts. And the more than once, 
It's helped me understand concepts when I'm trying to get a contract. And, and again, I'm licensed in Virginia, D.C. and Maryland as a real estate agent. And all three of those jurisdictions are so completely different. They all have three different contracts, different addendums. And when I started 21 years ago, it was a two-page contract. Now each jurisdiction has over 30. Maryland has over 50 pages to the contract. So it does help in understanding the legal wording of the contracts for sure. Yeah, definitely. I know when I'm sitting down with clients and going over all those 50 pages in the Maryland contract, you know, it's just too much. I've literally had people that I had one, one lady a couple months ago who I was presenting a contract on their house that I had listed and she just got up in the middle of me going over everything and just left the room. And I kind of was like, (laughs) wow, okay. (laughs) And then and then she came back and so I, I just kind of kept going and then, you know, with the husband and then she came back and she just said, I, I just can't, it, I just can't, I just hate paperwork and I just can't, and my eyes are just glazing over and I just, she can't stand it. And I recently, like last week, had another similar incident where a woman was just the same way. She just got up and was kind of, did one as bad. She literally got up and went and go got, got a glass of wine and came back in like she just had to. <laughs> You know, it was just too much. And this this other lady recently, she was just like, I just can't handle all these details. So I try to not go over every single little thing at once, if possible, try to break it down. I'm, I don't know if you do the same thing because it just, yeah. it's just almost like in segments. I mean, you have to yeah. go over the whole contract, but. Well, and I try to do this. That kind of thing is when I first meet with people, a lot of times I actually give them a copy of the contract and say, so here's your homework. You know, it might help you go to sleep at night. It might, you know, it might be the thing that gets you to the point where you go get a glass of wine. Yeah. But to give you a, a lot of times I, I, I do that when I first meet him. I, I don't know. I started doing that in my first year and people, I mean, I've had a lot of people who had a lot of other realtors and then they meet me and they're like, well, you're so weird. And then I usually highlight like seven different sections in the contracts, you know, in all, all three jurisdictions and say, these are the main things that you really need to understand before you sign this so that you don't freak out. <laughs> Well, that actually is a really good thing to do. I I like that. I may have to start doing that because some, I don't know if you ever found this, but some personalities, especially I have found engineers that are very analytical and kind of what if, you know, mentality will, you know, that I could see that being really useful to give them a copy of the contract right up front and they can take their leisurely time and decipher the whole thing. (laughs) Well, I've started, and I think part of it was because of my legal background being a paralegal. And as you probably know from lawyers, lawyers always have their paralegals do a lot of the explaining. So I used to sit down with people at the different law firms that I work for, and I would be doing a lot of the explaining. This, you know, generally this, you know, is saying this, but you need to read through it and that kind of stuff. And really for somebody to feel comfortable with what they're signing, they want to know what it is. And what also, and you know, because of Maryland, in the DC area, I think the number is something obnoxious, like seven out of every 10 people have a law degree. I mean, it's something unreal in the fact that, you know, so many of them are lawyers that I found, you know, it's so much easier just to give it to them up front and then say, hey, if you have questions, you need to know I'm not a lawyer. I'm a licensed real estate agent. I'm an investor, you know, I'm many other things, but I'm not an accountant, a lawyer, any of those. But what you might want to do is talk to this lawyer or that lawyer Or if it's something that I can help, you know, in plain language, you know, how does that play out in a contract? But again, I usually say to them, once you've got the emotions and you're excited about buying a place, that's not the time to be 
you know, freaking out and afraid because you don't understand something in the contract. I'd rather you take it home. And I always tell them affectionately, this is your homework, but I'm not going to check up on you and I'm not going to give you a grade. So if you want to do it, do it. (laughs) If you don't, it's okay. Well, that's a good way, I think, of of doing business. I really want to ask you about your, because I just think, you know, the listeners would be really fascinated with some of kind of your your things that you can share about, you know, how to have a positive mindset, especially for people who have a really hard time with that. But I do want to, I, I have to ask you up front because I know people would be wondering, you know, how did you get into radio with your background? It sounds like you've got a lot of different diverse things that you were doing. So how did that all happen? Because I know you've got a really successful show and, and it's just, you know, really exciting. So it's interesting. It's kind of a long story because how I got into radio was very different than most people. But I'll give you kind of the, the shortest version of it that I can think of. And basically, I had a client who was trying to purchase a property. And he it was right like 05, 06. It was right when short sales were just coming on the market. And most people didn't understand what a short sale was. And he, I said to him, we're about to pass by your contingencies, which are, as, as you know, Patty, are your, you know, the protections. So you're about to pass by these contingencies and then you're going to just be completely out here. And we don't know if there are other liens against the property or there's other, there are other ways. This could be very dangerous. And he saw the look on my face and he said, you know what, Jennifer, why don't my wife and I will buy you dinner and you can go through this with us. And so we can really understand what are our choices here. And I said, oh, that would be good because I really wanted them to understand before they made a decision to either walk away or to stay in this contract. And so we ordered dinner. As soon as we finished ordering dinner, he, he said, wait a minute, don't tell me anything. He said, I need you to come on to my radio show tomorrow morning and we're going to have this conversation live on the air. Wow. <laughs> I was like, that does not sound like a good idea. No pressure. You your, your private business, you want to like tell everybody? It was funny because, you know, he is a serious XM radio talk show host and he's been on radio for, I think, over 40 years. He's in the radio talk show Hall of Fame. I mean, he's just a fascinating man. So I started going on his radio show to talk about and give him advice live on the radio about you know, the short sale and what people should know about short sales. And then, you know, that we went through his whole transaction. He did buy the property. It did end up working out really well. Thank goodness. <laughs> and then <laughs> it could have been bad if it had didn't. But and then he used to just have me on periodically as a guest, you know, like I have you on, you have me on that kind of stuff. I was just on as a guest. And then one day after the show, he said, hey, Jennifer, I need a favor. I have cancer. Mm. And I said, oh, I said, well, anything you need. And he said, I'd like you to help out with my Wednesday segment called Wealth Building Wednesdays. You'll be on with a mortgage broker, so you're not all alone, but I'm going to be in cancer treatment. So it's just going to be the two of you, and it's live radio, and it's Sirius XM. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's <laughs> You said, okay. Scary. <laughs> but I said, kept again, I believe in that positive mindset of you just say yes. You know, I was not comfortable because I had never thought of being a radio talk show host, and But he kept saying to me, if you share your knowledge and you could help just one person from making a bad decision in real estate, would that be worth it to you? And I remember just being so nervous, my hands would shake and then it would, they would stop shaking when I was like, yes, if I help somebody, then it would be worth it. Then I would love to do it. 
And so, so he did, we went through his whole cancer treatment and the great news was he came back, he was cancer free and he teased me as he often does. He said, great news. I'm better. I'm cancer free. Bad news. You're fired. And I started laughing. (laughs) Well, that pressure's off. And then he goes, don't look so relieved. New York wants to talk to you about having your own radio show. And I remember just immediately going, what? What do you mean? <laughs> That's terrific. I don't know how to be a talk show host. And then, he, and then he started laughing. He goes, well, there are a few people who disagree with you on that. So <laughs> why don't you talk to them? So anyway, it's been years now since I've had the show. And, and I've had so many incredible success stories, including, you know, I've had people call the show who were about to commit suicide. And they didn't because of information they learned on the show. Not only did they save their house, but, you know, they were on the verge of suicide. So they... And I mean, that has got to be the most powerful thing that's kept me on radio is because if it can help people in, in that kind of profound way, I just, that just blows my mind every time I think about that. And I think, well, who knows who I'm helping today, but we're going to keep on talking on the radio as, you know, as long as they keep inviting me back and they keep paying me, I'm going to keep showing up because I really love helping people. So Strange way to get on the radio. <laughs> well, that is really incredible. I mean, just to think about somebody getting to the point where they would even want to commit suicide. I I know in in selling real estate, like you, you come across people that are just so stressed out. They're just really, really stressed, and in all different stages, and for different reasons. If they're moving and relocating, or they're you know whatever's going on, or divorce or death, lots of different reasons that they're actually buying or selling a house and. You know, so that doesn't surprise me, but it it is quite the amazing platform that you have. And I know you have millions of listeners. I know that, what do you have, 40 million, I think, listeners? Sirius XM has 40 million listeners. I don't know if they all listen to me. (laughs) Well, that's, well, even if it's a fraction of that, that's that's a lot of people, so. Yeah. So tell me about, like, your, because it sounds like you've, you really have kind of a, a passion for, for helping people and for being really positive. So maybe if you could share with us some of your kind of, kind of your secrets to staying positive or that positive mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons my brother and I have just recently started this Hammond happy hour. Cause we were talking so often people, when they find out a little bit about our story, they're both a little bit shocked. We grew up in the Florida Keys, which is such a beautiful area and wonderful to go vacationing, but it really is wrought with drug dealers and mafia and lots and lots of things that are illegal, including my mother was a drug addict and an alcoholic and she was extremely abusive. And even by a teenage years, I ended up finding myself, my sister had been put in a foster home. My brother had run away and I was the only one left. And one day I came home and my mom had thrown all my stuff in the front yard and she decided she was leaving with some new drug buddy. And so I've learned through so much of my own life that the only way that that I could continue to get through all of it was to get that positive mindset and to move forward in a really positive way. And part of that is, you know, like if I could give you three tips to a positive mindset, number one of them would be, how can you see the good in this? You know, so if you got into a car accident today, or if you walked up in your car and you end up with a hundred dollar parking ticket and you're, you know, first thing you're like, what? But I parked in the right place or I paid my parking or, you know, you, you immediately, so often we go to the negative, but you might get, you know, like at the car accident. Wow. If you walked out of the car accident and you're not injured, your car might be 
injured, <laughs> but you can fix that. So you find the silver lining in whatever it was. And my brother and I have been often laughing about if you get this crazy parking ticket, you're like, well, maybe the DC government needed some more money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh you got to find a way to be like, congratulations, look at that, <laughs> you know, because, and especially like when I had so much of my life was really, really unhappy. And my mother said some really horrible things to me as I was growing up, you know, and she always said I would never be a success. And I mean, she just said terrible, terrible things. And, wow. the, and what I realized is those are the things that I would never be. She, one of her things she said over and over and over again before, right before she died was that I would never graduate from college, which, of course, I ended up with an associate's degree, then a bachelor's degree, then a master's degree. And I almost went out of law school, but then I wanted to get to D.C. and work for that congressman. So I didn't. But she always said I was too dumb to graduate from college. I was too dumb even in high school. They wouldn't put me on college prep courses. So, you know, number one on mindset is you you have to look at the the good in whatever it was. And even my childhood, looking at the good is it, it taught me how to move through, you know, some of the most unbelievable, horrific challenges in life and still find your smile, you know. And then number two, if I was going to share some of the things that that I've learned about your mindset is that you have to constantly keep making that decision to be happy because mm -hmm. it's so easy when the world is beating you up or if you ever watch the news, you know, everybody's focusing on the negative, you know, in journalism, if it bleeds, it leads. We want to see the car accident where the, there's a terrible, you know, horrible thing that's happened and we want it. That's what leads the news instead of, Hey, did you hear about this amazing rescue and all of the great stuff that happened? And that's part of, you know, why my brother and I wanted to put together ham and happy hour was there's so many, every single hour of the day can be a happy hour. Well, so then Jennifer, do you, do you feel that your mom saying those terrible things and, and really putting you down and saying that you won't be a success, won't graduate from college? And, and do you feel like that's fueled you? That's really given you the resolve in, in addition to giving you such resolve to be positive? Do you feel like there's a part of you that, you know, basically wanted to prove her wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I, I just wouldn't accept it. And I, I think that it, I mean, it was such a blessing because I was absolutely certain I was not the terrible, <laughs> stupid mm -hmm. person that she kept saying I was, you know, and, and it's funny because there, you know, there are things that were said, you know, she was an alcoholic and she, she was very violent. She would go into fits of rage. And, and I think what it did, it fueled me that I wanted to be a very peaceful person and that I wanted people to feel safe around me. I wanted to create an environment that was very different than what my mother had created for my childhood. But it, it taught me so much so that you know, when things happen that are, you know, even like in a real estate deal, as you know, when people get very emotional, sometimes people will yell at you. <laughs> they're in the middle of trying to get married and buy their first house and they're incredibly emotional or it's an estate and someone's died and people are terribly emotional. Don't touch that. What? Are, I, no, you can't go into that room. Well, we're looking at the house. They have to go into all the rooms, you know, and you, you realize these these crazy emotional roller coasters that people go on through real estate the more you can understand that and the more that you can walk in a mile in their shoes, so to speak, you can really help them. And I love that opportunity to be able to help people move through whatever situation is happening in their life and help them be 
the best version of who they can be today. We can all get a little bit better each day. You know? Yeah, I mean, what a what an amazing story, really, when you think about and and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that really can relate, unfortunately, can really relate to having whether it's a parent or or just someone close in their spouse or someone in their life that really has tried to keep them down, beat them down and and really projected their own problems onto, you know, onto someone else. And it's really inspiring to to hear your story and to hear how how you turned that adversity into something that really fueled you to be positive and to bring, you know, safety and positivity, it sounds like, to lots of people everywhere through all of the things that you're doing, like the Hammond Happy Hour and, and all kinds of other things, your show and so forth. It's, I think it's amazing. Yay! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> how nice for you to work with your brother. How, how do you like working with him? What's your brother's name? His name is Greg, Greg Hammond. And it's really funny because he ended up, he wanted to make it siblings of success because he wanted to make sure that people realize this is my brother. And because we do, like, we never have a script. We always do everything completely off the cuff. And it's really fun now because my brother was a drug addict. I mean, he was the worst of the worst. And his life, there were very, there were a few times where we really didn't think he was going to live through some of his deep, dark days. I mean, it was really bad. So watching him also, it's taken him a long time to kind of turn that corner and really realize how powerful it is. And I'll tell you one of the coolest blessings about working with him now (laughs) that I just, I never really thought about is, is you have siblings, often siblings make fun of each other. Do you have a sibling? Do you have a brother or sister? I I have one brother and five sisters. (gasps) (laughs) So yeah, I've got siblings. (laughs) So then you know what that's like. So my brother, you know, all my life has had a tendency to make fun of me and to tease me. Now, unfortunately, because of the environment that we were with with my mother, that even when we got to be adults, he would tease me. And even when I got my radio show or whatever, my brother would tease me in a way where he would, as we call it, joke down in a negative way, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, look at you. You're so dumb. You turn the wrong way or look, you're never going to be a success. And of course, in that way where you think it's funny to be ironic or whatnot, in a way it still weighs on people. Except when you joke with them, you should always joke up meaning, Hey, you're a rock star. Wow. Look at you. You just won a huge award. You know, joke up with them. Don't joke down. And that changes the the vibrations and the energy that you have around somebody. And that has changed our relationship in a profound way of just really focusing on the gratitude of as much as I, I like to tease him now, we always find a way to tease each other in a way that is joking up instead of joking down. So now working with him on it, <laughs> I do tease him about how cute are his ears. Do you see how big these ears are? You know, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but in a way that it's still, you know, there, there is somebody who's going to love those ears, Greg. And, and I love them. <laughs> you know, you're my brother. Of course I love your ears. And I do. I don't mean that in a mean way, but it's so cool because now we can find ways to really make each other laugh. That is not, you know, where I'm bringing up his drug addiction or bringing up the dark days or things that he did that, you know, again, every single person has something that they wish that maybe they hadn't done. And ironically, your siblings have probably witnessed some of those things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I personally, I really try hard to go through life 
kind of like, you know how a horse has blinders on when they're racing yeah. around yep. the track and they, so they can only see straight ahead because I, I find that a lot of people do what you're describing, you know, joke down and, and that's putting it mildly. I mean, some people right. just out, out and out are haters and really just kind of projecting their own unhappiness and trying to spill it onto you. And it's like, I just try really hard to just, you know, it, there is an art to it, but I think you got to practice it because there's a certain amount that, you know, you have to take control of yourself and say, hey, I'm not going to allow this person or that person or anybody else, you know, hold me back, put me down, whatever. And if they try to, I'm they're, they're not going to get anywhere with it. And then like you were saying, to go beyond that is really to then, in addition to that, be really cognizant of being kind to people to to be supportive of them and encouraging of them and their dreams and whatever they're doing and rah, rah, you got this kind of thing, you know. But I do think, you know, sometimes you got to surround yourself with people in your life, especially your, your, you know, there's a, there's a famous person. I think it's Jim Rohn, if I'm not mistaken, who said, you know, we are the sum total of the five people we spend the most time with. Right. And, right. and so if you think about that, if you think about who do you spend most of your time with, or are they people that are going rah, rah, you go girl, you know, or are they like saying, oh, you, you're not going to be able to do that or, or just even joking down, you yeah. know? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And I, I like just like Jim Rohn, Bob Proctor, Jack Canfield, you know, Bob Proctor tells a story about he was sitting in the bar after work one day and he was, he looked around. And he was like, look at these losers here. And then he like stopped and froze. And he's like, well, number one, I'm here. <laughs> and number two, look who I've surrounded myself with. And he said he just got up, walked out of the bar and he's never he never went back. You know, he's like, wait a minute. And I, I think that's so important is who are you surrounding yourself with? Like if you looked at the last month, you know, who are the people that you've surrounded yourself with and are they toxic or are they actually reaffirming what you're dreaming about and what you want to do to make your life magical? You know, and every one of us can have anything we want. We can be, do or have anything, but we have to decide that. And ironically, you know, it's like any other friendship or any other relationship. You have to constantly keep on deciding that. That's not one decision, <laughs> decision and done. <laughs> it's decide, decide, decide. You have to keep on doing that over and over again. So is that like, is that the, like, what, what's the best advice you'd give someone who, who's having a really hard time staying positive? Cause you know, there's people that are like, you, you know, you'll, you'll talk with them and you're supportive of them and they're, they're just constantly beating themselves up. You don't, you're, you know what I mean? How do you, how do you, what would you say to someone who has a hard time believing in themselves or just staying really positive? Well, and I, I think number one, I would say is what can you find in this situation that is good? Whatever's happening that's got you down, what in it, what in the situation could you find it in that's good, that's taught you a lesson? You know, you know, even like the parking ticket example I had, you know, and I also had a fellow radio talk show host. She's in New York. And one of the things she said to me after we're live on the air and she said, you know, I used to just think Jennifer was annoying. I thought, who in the world could be that happy? And I, I'm looking at her. We're live on the air. And I thought, I didn't know you felt that way about me. <laughs> And she said, so I was very suspicious. And after she said, after the past year, I've spent a lot of time getting to know Jennifer. And, he, and she actually knows a lot of details about my history. And she said, this is a person who's gone through so much. And it was funny because when she said that, I thought, yes, but if you actually looked at 
people specifically, you know, who have had an even worse life. I mean, I had a lot of challenges. I mean, a lot in so many ways. But, you know, I think about even people from other countries, you know, the United States is such an amazing country in so many ways. And we have so many luxuries and things that we take for granted. But there's always somebody who's had an even worse time than you. So if you're sitting there right now thinking, my life sucks, blah, 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 blah. Think about, well, what's good in it right this minute? What could you find the good in it? And one of the, the cool key secrets is learning to laugh at whatever's happening around you. As much as it's terrible or whatnot, you know, the power and the healing energy of laughter is, is one of the best things. And, you know, I think we might have been in the secret where they talk about someone who had cancer and, and she just started watching old I Love Lucy reruns and old funny, funny, happy days and things that just made her laugh, laugh, laugh. And it was amazing how miraculously the cancer disappeared. And again, I know many people just doubt that, say that's not possible. But I believe a hundred percent, the more you can find the good in the situation and find a way to laugh at yourself, laugh at what's happening and learn from it in a way that is, again, you know, I, I never thought I would enjoy getting parking tickets. But what I've learned is that there's always something good in that. And even if it's just because it, it taught me, OK, so I need to pay more attention. Somehow I wasn't paying attention at the time or whatnot. And I bet I could do a little better planning. You know, there's something I could have learned from it. So that's what I, I don't think say. that's what I'd be thinking. <laughs> oh, I've had a lot of practice at it. <laughs> no, that's really good. <laughs> practice makes perfect. Get a lot of parking tickets and then you learn. Especially in D.C. <laughs> Especially in D.C. There's not enough parking. But, oh, well. No, that's really good. It sounds like you have perfected the art of really finding the silver lining in in everything, in everything that you're, you know, you come across in life. And, you know, I think that is that is a great way, you know, to go through life. I know my my son had a couple of accidents. He he, he lived in New York for a couple of years and then he, and he had, didn't have a car you know, because it just was, there was no point in having a car. It was, it was sure. in downtown. He lived in Brooklyn and worked in Manhattan. So then he moved back to Maryland, you know, this year or earlier. And then he had like two fender benders, one bigger than the other. And I mean, kind of accidents, really. And when the second one happened, I just was like, really PO'd. I just thought, wow, <laughs> really, dude, you're going to have a second accident. And <laughs> And I gave him the stink eye, like, okay, let me hear it. You know, what, what are you going to tell me? Cause of course it was my car because right. he hadn't bought a car yet. You know, it was, he, he was in the midst of looking for a car and getting reacclimated to Maryland. And so I wasn't very happy, but my first thought really was, thank God he's okay. You know, cause in fact, my car was not okay. It was, it was a hot mess all the way one down. You know, he, the, I think a mailbox got the better of, of my car. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I wasn't happy, but, but I think that's what you're, what you're really saying yeah. in, in a sense is really just always saying, you know what? The glass is half full as pissed as I, as I was at him about, you know, getting into two accidents in a short amount of time in my car. I thought to myself, well, you know what? I mean, what if, what if he would have killed somebody? What if he yeah, would have been what if killed? That was in hurt? New York and somebody was going really fast. And instead of the mailbox tangle, it was, you know, on a five car pileup and, you know, he had lost a leg or lost an arm or lost his life. I mean, so, whew, exactly. so much to be thankful for that he ran into the mailbox. 
You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do you do that? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, but if you don't have practice, 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 practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to ask you, Jennifer, because I like to ask people, what is it in your case? I'd, I'd really like to know in your darkest hour, it sounds like of your childhood, which is was sounds like it was extremely difficult without knowing all the details, but it sounds like you had a really, really challenging time with family and with your mom. During that time, what was the best advice anybody ever gave you? Mm, this too shall pass. Mm. And who, who said that? It was actually a teacher at school. And, you know, unfortunately I would go to school sometimes, you know, with bruises or, you know, beaten up a bit and realizing that, you know, my mom had been investigated for being an unfit mother several times. And my sister had been, you know, she ended up in a foster home and stuff. And, you know, after a while, a lot of people realize that there's not a whole lot you can do. The, the system doesn't necessarily help the child, especially this is 20 years ago. So there were a lot of times when the teachers were, you know, really trying to figure out how to keep me from, you know, just being really sad or keep me, I think, you know, it was so bad. Sometimes I think that they were really worried in my, you know, we'd had, you know, a lot of people commit suicide and there have been a lot of death, unfortunately, from all sorts of accidents and, you know, stuff that had happened. And I think that was the best thing is this too shall pass. And I think that, you know, no matter where you are and how dark it can ever seem, this too shall pass. And, and I, I think, like I always say, yeah, this will pass. But also, sometimes we want to just get through it really fast and not realize that there was a good lesson in there. And that again, we can we can find the the silver lining in it. But just knowing that you're never stuck. I think that's one of the worst things is when you're in the darkest day, to think that you're stuck there, and you're never getting out when you are going to get out, and it's going to be different. And I think part of it was as a child, you know, you feel so much at the effect of your parents, everybody else is the school system, the government, everybody else is kind of pushing and shoving you around and you don't get to make your own choices. You don't get to, you don't get to decide normally what you're going to eat. You don't get to, all of this stuff is, is just shoved on you. And it, you know, this too shall pass. You can look at a terrible meal. You look at, you know, the bruises and, and the things that your mother's screaming at you and you're embarrassed because you're getting out of the car and she's still screaming at you. And you're just like, but I didn't do anything, <laughs> you know, I didn't do anything, you know, but of course I look like the guilty one because, you know, she's so angry. I just realized, you know, this too shall pass. We shall find a happy day again. It will be there. Wow. Well, that's, you know, that's a classic and that's great advice. I mean, that really is so true. So, you know, that it's not going to always stay the same. It's, you're you're going to go through a journey. Yeah. And you should know that. I mean, everything in life is a journey. What you said is so important. We're never stuck in one moment. You know, (laughs) the only constant is change. It's always going to change. Yeah. Thank goodness. Right. (laughs) Thank goodness. I also like to ask people, what is one of Can you share one of your kind of daily habits that really contributes Mm. to your success? Yeah. It's the first thing in the morning thing. There's one of the the success things that I do every single morning is, well, two things that I do every single morning is one, I start with affirmations and, you know, depending on where I am is what I kind of focus on for my affirmations. But usually I focus on, I'm so happy and grateful that I'm healthy. 
you know, and I'm so happy and grateful that I'm happy. And then I'm happy, you know, and then I'm healthy. And then I'm so happy and grateful that I have an abundance of money. And I always find that really important because so much of life seems to be measured with money. So I'm happy and grateful that I have money. I'm so happy and grateful I have an abundance of money. So happy and grateful that I'm healthy. And I'm so happy and grateful that I'm happy. And, you know, part of that, sometimes I do that with music because, again, that's such a mood lifter first thing in the morning. And But, two, the other thing that I do is I always make a list. My other thing that contributes to my success every single day is when I wake up in the morning, I make a list. And I usually try to do the top three things that have to get done today. (laughs) Am I doing an interview? Am I talking to clients? Do I have new clients? What are the top three things that have to get done? And then a list of any other things that, you know, I kind of like to do. And then organize and budget my time so that I'm most productive. But being able to organize that first thing in the morning so that you're not just being reactive. Oh, no, there's this email. Oh, there's that phone call. You know what your time is and what's most important to you that day. And then you can focus on how to accomplish that. So really staying focused, it sounds like, besides the affirmations, which are so fantastic. And I do the same thing, kind of prayers of gratitude. Yeah. But I, but I think that, you know, what you're saying too is really staying focused on making sure you get your priorities, those main things yeah. done. So you don't, don't get overwhelmed on everything yes. that you could do that day and really focus on at least the ones, the things that you know you need to do <laughs> and then move on from there. And like that movie, I don't know if you ever saw that movie Up where that one guy, he's always like squirrel, the dog gets squirrel. I mean, you know, get that, like there's so many little sparkly things that you can look at and be distracted or a phone call or an email or, oh, wait a minute. I always wanted to stop at that shop or, oh, you know, next thing you know, I'm going for coffee five times today and I'm not getting my stuff done. You know, so staying focused is really important. Well, that's just absolutely terrific. I think you are amazing. And I really, if you could share how everywhere that people can find you, I really want to make sure that that listeners can tap into kind of all of your different endeavors as far as really teaching people how to use, you know, a positive mindset. Absolutely. Well, the new one is Ham and Happy Hour. And so we have that one up on YouTube. And also even on your phone, if you have an iPhone, you can actually go to podcasts and you can download Hammond happy hour for free and Sirius XM. I'm on Sirius XM. And if you're, you have to be a Sirius XM subscriber mm-hmm. to listen to me there, but they also have on demand. So if you actually have a Sirius XM app, you can listen to me at your leisure anytime you want. And then social media is super fun because we're constantly putting things up there and lots of mindset stuff up on social media. And my social media is Jennifer H realty. So Jennifer with two N's H for Hammond and then realty R E A L T-Y, Jennifer H. Realty. That's for Facebook, for Twitter. And then even if somebody wanted to go to my website, it's jenniferhrealty.com. Okay. And Hammond is spelled with two M's, H-A-M-M-O-N-D, just in case people, you know, want to make sure that they're looking you up and they can find you. Well, I just really want to thank you so much. You have been an amazing gift of inspiration I can't tell you how much I think that helps people to hear other people's stories because sometimes I think people think they're the only one that had, you know, a tough childhood or or someone that was, you know, abusive. And I just so I think it's really important to have people have role models like you that can really shed some light that, hey, you can just keep on, you know, getting it and, you know, change, change that dynamic in your life and, you know, have a wonderful life. So I really applaud you. 
So thank well, you thank so, you so much. much. And I love, thank you. I love to have you as a guest back on my show. And thank you so much for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Oh, you got it. All right. Well, I can't wait to see you again until next time. We'll see you soon. Sounds good. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you.